0: You, 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 know, I, D, I, D, in the, in the town all day. I, B, I, B in the, D the, S, E, A. In a you, you, know, I, D, I, D, in the, D in the, S E A, I, B, I, B a,
1: a Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Fabulous <sighs> Pelton Cast. I'm your co-host, Kevin Pelton. And I'm
0: Tristan Carcino.
1: And the Washington Huskies have lost the college football playoff championship 34-13 to the Michigan Wolverines. Congrats to Jim Harbaugh
0: the fuck do you want
1: <laughs> you know what i i mean the the final stats in this game were not particularly close for a long time the huskies were just hanging around well being pretty dramatically outplayed i would say by michigan but it's still a bummer that it's gonna look this oh i'm pissed on the no line. no if that's this where we're would...
0: starting the espn title michigan cruises wins first national title since 97 fuck that this was a team that was da- up seven in the fourth quarter and the Huskies had just hit was it like a fifty yard pass to Roma Dunze that they called back? I mean, like, I guarantee you in that moment, Michigan fans did not feel like they were cruising. I I agree with that assessment. Yes. That it no, it's a frustrating way for this game to be framed because ultimately it was this was a close game in the fourth quarter. Michigan still had a obviously very good chance of winning. It was only a, it was
1: only thirty two yard completion to Roma, say, but it would have set the Huskies up. Uh, they would have been first and ten at the Michigan thirty five, down seven points, and that was with eleven seventeen left in the game. So it was a forty two yard yeah, difference. yeah, uh, yes,
0: yes, because of the penalty yardage.
1: Yes, but more important, down put one them, touchdown, put them in second and twenty.
0: That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I. That's, there, there were two plays that I feel like you have to look at. That and then the Will Nixon drop on third and four. I almost wish... I don't think Kaelin DeBoer did anything offensively not aggressive. And I think he was about as gr- aggressive as he should have been. But there were a few moments where it was like... It felt like we, we, we verged on Pete Carroll territory of... You have a shitty defense. You don't get to play this kind of game. Alabama could play this kind of game. Michigan could play this kind of game. You don't get to play this kind of game. I
1: I will dispute the shitty defense part of this. It was not this was not game did not go the way that I expected for the first quarter. I was feeling like oh you
0: were so smug over there.
1: Oh man, here we go again. We've already seen the script so many times with the Seahawks this season, and now I have to see it again with the Huskies. But the defense, no, no, well, the, they they eventually wore down in the fourth quarter uh, and allowed that touchdown drive for Michigan that that put the game away. But it is they just hilarious. did more than enough to win this Seeing
0: game. Seeing that that drive with everything that happened, three plays, one yard. That's it. That's what it looks like in the box score. Yeah. Three plays, one yard. Fly ball, cut. And that that is the drive that ended the game. Following that, which you have the completion to Colson Loveland, which was for 41 yards. Probably could have been a hold on that play. Like the just, it's such a swinging doors moment. At eleven minutes, nine minutes I believe left. It,
1: I believe it's a sliding door. A sliding
0: it? doors moment in in the fourth quarter. Like this wasn't a game that Michigan ran away with. UW could have snuck out of there with a victory, but I mean, you look at the defense. How many punts were there? Uh a lot. One, two. You there's really? a downs. Three, four, five, six punts by Michigan. If you hear that they're going to be six punts by Michigan, you're saying mission accomplished. I see five puns, five, five punts plus the fourth down, plus the downs. gotcha if but if you see those six turnovers by Michigan, you are saying that is the kind of game that we want to be playing, correct obviously, Michigan's defense is good. I do think the husky The, <laughs> the <laughs> I'm glad you've acknowledged that they're good. I look that is the highest compliment that I will give
1: when when I, was it in the fourth quarter that you were willing to acknowledge that Michigan was in fact a good team? uh
0: like two minutes left. okay. It was on the final drive for UW that I was willing to acknowledge that Michigan was a good team. But like, I just, it wasn't that lopsided of a game, watching it and being there in it. And that's probably how it's going to be remembered. But this wasn't TCU Georgia. And I think that actually to me is like, that's the thing that long-term we're going to take from this. Long-term that is the positive to take from this, which is I was... There, there was part of me that was like, UW might just come out and run these fools. And there was also a part of me that was like, Michigan might just throttle UW. Their, their size and their strength on the lines. They, this wasn't like, again, like you were saying, I didn't expect them to lose because of long runs. I thought they were going to lose because of the death of five yards per carry. And that wasn't what they did. UW's defense did pretty damn well against those things. In coverage, they did pretty damn well. Like this looked like a with a good period with a very good offense, a championship contending defense in this game against the Wolverines. So, like to me, the fact that they weren't out physicald that much overall was a positive. It was just they they gave up. They didn't get. There was no lucky play for the Huskies. At no point could you be like, phew. Wow Can't I mean the lucky that. plays
1: were only to the extent that like something that could have gone worse on a tipped pass didn't obviously there was the interception that Michigan got on the opening play of the second half or the opening drive of the second half
0: but there was there was no like luck on their side and I think Michigan had the luck, right like if if there was a like you're saying those sliding doors moments, Having the negation of a 30-yard completion on a hold, especially a very questionable hold. Because, again, we're not complaining about it if it's just like, oh, yeah, that's a hold. But I just, like, literally you could find holding all the time except for that play. It was the only play that you can't find holding on. So to have that moment happen in that situation, Michigan was lucky. And their coverage was fine overall, but the Huskies had open receivers downfield. That's another thing is the line is going to be different. Everything else is going to be different. But, like, Kaelin DeBoer and Ryan Grubb were able to get receivers open downfield against Michigan scheme-wise. The line has to hold up and have to do their job. But, like, they're not going to face a defense as good as Michigan probably all of next season. There may not be a defense as good as Michigan all of next season.
1: Even though they will face Michigan, Michigan you would expect to regress to the mean a little bit. Yeah. They were they were the best defense in this country statistically coming into the game. They looked every bit a part of it. And that's, I think, the ultimate separator here is...
0: Mike Still, you talk about how old Michael Penix Jr. is. They're the same age.
1: Oh, yeah. he's And he'll be in the NFL next season. Uh, they're, of the four units, the Michigan defense was clearly the best unit in this game. I mean, I think that's... That's like one of the big takeaways is you know I was surprised how many people ended up picking the Huskies, in terms of the the picks that were out there, and it was mostly because I think they thought that you know good offense beats good defense and the Huskies' offense would be good enough that I'm I'm just saying I feel like there were some moments this game got out of whack because of a couple little things but then because also because they deferred. It got yeah. entirely out of whack. Michigan marched right down the field and scored. And the Huskies were playing from but behind. But you were wrong entire... about that still. like I w- I it, it
0: ended up being... It really kind of was moot. Yes. because this, Especially because they threw a pick on the yeah. first play of the second half. Yeah, I
1: mean, you were it, really good about having it was, the ball it, first to start the second half when you went in down a touchdown.
0: It was especially moot then. But the long touchdown runs, they had the three long runs in the first half. And outside of that, when you take those out, they didn't run the
1: ball that well. I mean, you... Take the So, Blake Corum, his long run of the night was 59 yards. Aside from that, he ran 20 times for 75 yards. No,
0: they kind of shut
1: down Blake Corum. They did a really good job against him, yeah. J.J. McCarthy's legs were a bit of an issue at times.
0: I mean, they ended up punting after that series, but it was just like, bro, if I am an NFL team... The the number one thing that that I think is going to be taken from this game is I think Michael Penix's draft stock is going down. Until he gets to scouting combine or whatever. That's not going to be the same for J.J. McCarthy, and ain't that just about White, what happened in this scenario? He I, throws 10 for 18, a lower QBR than Michael
1: Penix. I don't think his draft stock was ever as high as what people were talking about with Michael Penix Jr. in the last week.
0: I'm just saying, I don't think that nobody's going to roast J.J. McCarthy for his 10 for 18 for
1: 140 yards. Well, I agree with that because his team won the game, but I also don't think they're going to talk about him as a top 10 pick.
0: We'll see. I there there is a quarterback I would not want on my team, and JJ
1: McCarthy. And
0: like Michigan, Michigan's I, I mean, defense
1: won them this championship. In, in th- what what was exceedingly killer from this game is that look, Michael Penix Jr. I still think greatest player in UW history. Yes, Roma Dunsay was also simultaneously the best player on the team. I don't know how to square those exactly.
0: Romadunze is a better player than Michael Penix Jr. is. It's just and the Michael Ro-
1: Penix Jr. is the best player in UW history. It's like the suverd Lauren Jackson thing to an extent. It's also just QB is such an important position that it doesn't matter how good Romadunze is. If he didn't have an elite quarterback throwing to him, it wouldn't matter. But the combination Romadunze is relatively better, which is why he is going to be a first half of the draft pick. He's probably going to go ahead of where the Seahawks pick at number 16. I would love if he
0: could fall to 16. It'd be like, thanks for your service, Tyler
1: Lockett. I mean, you had the miscommunication between him and Michael Penix Jr. on the other Michigan That's
0: another—that's what I'm saying. That's another situation. There were a lot of moments— Michigan got fucking lucky in this game. Can we acknowledge that, that Michigan is both a very good defense and got pretty lucky?
1: Yes, we can acknowledge both of those things. Because, I mean— you can, the question is how much of that is, you know, that kind of a miss or some of the balls that Penix missed that normally he would hit was just a matter of, you know, the, the pressure getting into his head for, to a degree. And, you know, he's trying to get the ball out so quickly because Michigan's pressure was relentless in the game. By the end of it, Penix was in clear pain. It'll be interesting to see. We're recording this. The, the health piece also. About 20 minutes after. They,
0: they were having to to play against one of the best, the, against the best defense in the country without a healthy starting running back and for the most of the second half without a healthy starting quarterback. I mean... You just pulled up Michael Penix's stats after the injury. If we assume that the injury happened on that play in the second half. Which play? The first play of the second half was the one where oh, his, yeah. his ankle got hurt and then his, his chest also, or... Uh, ab- abdomen area ribs, I ribs? Think is most likely based
1: okay. on w- the padding that he was wearing on the right side of his ribs i mean look the the first half was not exactly great for uh michael penix jr in its own right uh let's see here the quarter, the half stats first half the huskies passing 13 of 21 for 128 yards so less than 10 yards per completion and you know less than about 60 percent completions second half 14 of 30 for 127 yards. So, certainly not what we were used to from Michael Penix Jr. over the course of this season, and certainly not in, you know, climate-controlled situations like this one was. I mean, I, again, the, these plays, like you can almost
0: run through it drive by drive and be like, look, maybe Michigan is a very good defense and very good defenses make make luck happen. But at the same time, you look at that fourth and seven, Michael Penix Jr. passing complete to Roma and say, it's probably a touchdown if they hit it. There there were a couple of other plays too, where it's like, Penix might have missed a throw, but clearly that's a touchdown. But then you look at the the first play of the second half, it's an interception. That is an incredible interception, all things considered. Oh, for sure. The, the odds of that exact play happening, Penix throwing it up like he did, and at Tybo Rogers poking the ball out in the air, and them still recovering it, or still
1: catching it, are, well, you didn't mention the most remarkable thing. It's not the fact that Will Johnson managed and, and to catch no, the ball, no body part touching out of bounds. He was so close to the sidelines, and yet never made it to the sidelines.
0: So having all of those things happen at the same time, it it's just it it requires the it requires a lot of luck. Which again, maybe they made their own luck or whatever in this game, but like. Michigan's defense is very good. They they were not on the field a significantly better team than UW.
1: No, I don't. Think I, it was I really like, don't think that they were. Night and day, I I think it's consistent with the statistics <sighs> about these two teams that Michigan was the better team, but that yeah. UW was good enough that if things had broken right, that they could have won this. Uh, what do you feel about the? You mentioned the credit to DeBoer and Ryan Grubb in terms of scheming receivers open, and I agree. How did you feel about the game plan that came out pretty run-heavy to start this one?
0: Not necessarily even run-heavy, but they were trying to get to the edges. Quick game-heavy. Yeah. Honestly, that's kind of the place that worked, if we're, if we're being honest with ourselves. A lot, I mean, of, a lot Michigan, of those screen passes...
1: Michigan was playing in NFL-style defense. This was what we've... Seen across the NFL the past probably four years, you know, dating back to the peak of when Russell Wilson was cooking, when Patrick Mahomes was winning MVPs and in, in Super Bowls, which obviously still did last season, like it, a lot of deep shots and that sort of thing. And then NFL teams all move to. We're gonna have in this case. I think they were, according to Kirk, Kirk Street, they were playing cover three. Yeah. They're keeping three guys back at all times. But their number one goal was take away the big play. And aside from those couple of busts that the Huskies had opportunities and did, but they, they did finally hit a Romo Dunze play uh, after they were down two touchdowns in this game. Like they were having to chip away. Like that that was by design by Michigan. But also, it did seem to reflect the Huskies fear about their path, their uh, offensive line's ability to hold up against the pass rush.
0: I, I think there's an alternate world where this exact game plan happens and you take away the long touchdowns by Michigan because it clearly wasn't like... It, if it, it wasn't necessarily just on UW's defense that they had these long plays. They're just things that happen sometimes. Because UW's defense overall played pretty well against Blake Corum and against the run. Yeah. So... I think there's a world that if you take away those plays, Michigan does chip away at it. Maybe they don't score touchdowns. Boom, boom. And UW is able to run that offense. Maybe they're able to continue running that offense even into the second half. But the injury happens. And honestly, maybe they should have stuck with that game plan a little bit more. But like the plays that were successful were the screens to McMillan and Adunze. Even the screens to Jack Westover. Like... Those are the plays that, in the end, worked best. They just kind of got behind the ball. And the thing that UW needed to do, which was make J.J. McCarthy one-dimensional, Michigan also was successfully able to do, not making UW one-dimensional in terms of running or passing, making UW one-dimensional in terms of getting the ball down the field, taking away the screen game and the edges. But
1: also in putting them in third and long over and over again, you remarked on this when they flashed. It's it on the shocking. Street, no, it was the shocking. Average third down for the Huskies was ten yards. I noted at one point they flashed. I, I can't remember exactly the, when this was, but Penix's stats on third down, he had completed five of six passes for forty-four yards, like almost eight, you know, seven and a half yards per or uh, something like that. Not bad. Only one of them had gone for first
0: down. Having a third and twenty-two doesn't help. Like, there were a couple of series that really, really hurt them. There was a back-to-back third and 19 and third and 22. And at that point, I mean, like, it was 17-3 to and Michigan had the ball. The fact that UW even got it as close as they did to being at 20-13 to in the fourth quarter from that point is a testament to the resiliency of the team and that they were able to keep chipping at it. And to the defense also, that the defense went from, what was the minute mark there, where they scored the 17th point? Uh... 153 in the first quarter, right? Or no, the yeah the beginning of the second quarter, 1328 of the second quarter.
1: To they kicked one field goal in the early third quarter. 709 after the, after the interception of
0: the fourth quarter. Yeah, that is how far they went, giving up three points. Like the defense had a long stretch that if the offense could have done anything, UW wins this game. If a few things go right. I mean, the problem was the same situation that we were expecting with Michigan is when you're playing an offense like that, things have to continually go right. And Michigan was able to wait around, wait around, let the, let the other team make the mistake, make them one dimensional. And eventually UW made that mistake. But they also got lucky along the way, too. So I don't know. I just I feel like if this is a game you ran back, like I, I don't think it was unfounded to have optimism about a close game here based upon what happened not at all that's not even viewing it particularly rosy right
1: Uh, should we take a step back and just (sighs) talk about this season big picture because i do think there's an element of just kind of the way that this ended and the disappointment mostly among your children who did not take the loss well as it turned out i was like i know you're young welcome (laughs) to being a sports fan it's like you haven't even seen an Owen 12 season, yeah. bro. Call me then.
0: But an Owen 12 season is not as devastating as that's what I was like imagine these children Malcolm Butler. <laughs> like we have dealt with pain. Our team moved. <laughs> not only did they have the suffer the worst loss in NBA history up to that point, they eventually moved to another city.
1: We walk- This shit is nothing compared to that. We walked uphill to the kingdom both ways. <laughs> But, like, th- this is to me a little, uh, this is not a compelling reason not to have a playoff. But the fact that, like, you don't get a chance to go out on a high, like, is a little bit of a bummer. Because no one looks back at the, the 2000 team. <laughs> you can miss the team. playoff. <laughs> no one you can back- play in a bowl game still. <laughs> no one looks back at the 2000 team that won the Rose Bowl, or the 1990 team that won the Rose Bowl, and says, ah, damn, what a failed season they didn't win a national championship. Let me
0: Let me correct you on that. No one looks back on the 2000 team, period.
1: Well, the Seattle Times did.
0: Or, or how about that? No one looks back on the 2000 team that won the Rose Bowl.
1: I think many people look back on it.
0: This is the shit we're going to remember. Winning a college football playoff game, we're going to remember a lot more. Here's everything I remember about that team. They beat a player who ended up being one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history. That's it. That's all oh, you remember about Kind that of. I'm just saying the the thing that was most notable about that game and that season was happening to have beaten Drew Brees in the game. If Drew Brees ends up being like a B minus quarterback or something, if Drew Brees fades out and it's like, wow, they beat God I wish I remembered Chad Henney or something. Like not to use not an a Michigan example. I but, uh, or, or, uh, uh, what is it? Curtis Painter, right? <laughs> He's, he was a Purdue quarterback, and it's like, yeah, the the, per, the UW team that beat Curtis Painter in the Rose Bowl. It's just like, I'm sorry, but no. Is he a coach now?
1: Uh, good for Curtis Painter.
0: I don't know if he actually is. Uh, not good. I rescind my good for Curtis Painter. <laughs> yeah, bad for Curtis <laughs> Painter.
1: <laughs> but what this team accomplished in terms of... Showing what UW can do. It's weird because... So you were saying to me earlier, I think we had a conversation offline, about how just, like, inconceivable it was for the Huskies to get to this point, which is kind of hilarious because they were in the playoff seven years ago. Like, it's not like it's a distant memory that they were in the playoff, but it was just so much different this time around in terms of them legitimately having a chance to win the entire thing. And... The crazy rise and
0: fall of Curtis Painter. (laughs)
1: In the NFL? I don't know. <laughs> we're, we're,
0: okay. Apparently he was known for his crazy hair. Okay. <laughs> it's all calves, crazy right. Things are wow, YouTube. Curtis Painter is one of the craziest quarterbacks of all time.
1: <laughs> so it's not a not a side note, side detour. Apparently he's an
0: officer at the Indiana Liquor Group now. Huh. Well how about that? <laughs> Former NFL quarterback, former hospitality director at Mustard Seed Gardens. It's so funny seeing people on LinkedIn with just normal jobs who happen to also play in the NFL.
1: Yes. Just like on his
0: resume, NFL quarterback, National Football League, April 2009 to April 2014. <laughs> anyway. We have
1: gotten an injury update post-game. This is not about Michael Penix Jr. Softy reports that Jack Westover played with a partially, partially torn calf. Oh, my God. So... Uh, Obviously, we found out during the game that Dylan Johnson suffered a bursa sack rupture at the end of the semifinal against Texas and uh, was playing through that in addition to the foot injury that he was previously dealing with. So kudos to Dylan Johnson. Had to leave the game briefly after his first carry. Didn't get a lot going uh, predictably against this outstanding Michigan run defense. Uh, Had 11 carries for 33 yards in this one. But for him to even be out on the field and and contributing is a blocker. uh, was, you know, you do have to wonder what this game looked
0: like if we could have, I mean, the Dylan Johnson who played against Oregon was probably also hurt, but like, yes, if you could have that Dylan Johnson in this game, I do wonder
1: what it would be like. Jack Westover still had five catches for 42 yards on seven targets in this one,
0: but I, I I'm wondering how much better is that Michigan team than Oregon?
1: I mean, it's tough to say. I think Michigan would certainly be favored. I think it's hard to disentangle the fact that UW did manage to beat Oregon twice. (sighs) There's certainly some broad similarities in them offensively. I don't think that J.J. McCarthy is as good a quarterback as Bo Nix is. Oh, absolutely not. But I think their defense is on a different level from what the Oregon defense is.
0: I I mean, I hear you're saying that Ultimately, most everybody. Ultimately, you dub season ended in a loss. If you make the playoffs, three out of the four teams, your season is going to end in a loss. And a lot of teams who went to random bowl games, Oregon season, but Oregon season ended with a loss.
1: I mean, beating Liberty in that bowl game. Dan Lennon got stuck on the halftime show instead of being in the playoffs.
0: Georgia's season ended in a loss. Does that make sense? Yes. They beat Florida State, but their season ended in a loss. And I think that's where, like, the feel-good moment of a bowl game is gone. There's the playoffs, and there's nothing else.
1: But that's because of the
0: playoff. Well, yeah. But they still play it in a playoff. Like, if you didn't have the playoffs, the, the teams who weren't competing for the national championship, if you went back to just bowl games, right? Anybody who had a chance to be voted number one in either of the polls, those two teams are playing in care. Beyond that... You have a lot more people who aren't trying. Ultimately, you get more people trying by having a 12-team playoff. And that should be what the goal is, is more players trying. But you asked me, I was thinking about this earlier. We've talked about this a lot, which basically
1: the... It's it's Pat erasure to say that about the 2000 Huskies. Oh, sorry.
0: A fullback?
1: (laughs) Uh, I was reading... (laughs) Someone dropped in the chat. The uh, the there was no the listener Noah Cohen, third Pelton brother Noah Cohen dropped the story about Marcus sopo playing with a, uh, uh, a a butt contusion when he had the three hundred two hundred game against Stanford. This was his junior year, not actually the two thousand team. And Pat Coniff was quoted a lot about him because they had been teammates at Woodenville prior to playing together. Pat Coniff erasure.
0: Uh, you you were, we've talked a lot about this about the basically like because of the conference realignment and the money being funneled into college football, about how basically college football, and especially with the 12-team playoff, looks a lot like NFL light now. Yes. And your argument is basically, if I can summarize, why would somebody care about college football because it's basically just worse players and looks like the NFL? And I was thinking of that a lot.
1: I mean, this is obviously a a extreme version, a caricature of my argument, but I do think long-term it, it is going to spell trouble for college football.
0: I will tell you, I think you are the exact wrong. In fact, this year has been honestly like the most watched college football year in a very, very long time. There have been a lot of good teams this year, but part of it is that drama around the playoff that has made more people watch it. But the thing that I was thinking about today in this last week in general going to this game. Cause a lot more people are talking at Washington than have basically ever talked about Washington
1: football. The amount of media coverage. I don't think I realized because first off, there wasn't this kind of media didn't exist. We weren't aware of it. And I don't know who's engaging with these things, but many, it's many happening. People clearly are. Uh, And that was number one. And number two, I was nine years old. So it was just the (laughs) Seattle Times sports section. That was all I was getting. That was the Alpha and the Omega of sports coverage. Can you imagine
0: being a local sports writer in the 90s? It's like being (laughs) 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 god.
1: Literally, you controlled everything as a local (laughs) kid. Steve Kelly and Blaine Newton will always be king to me. But But that was an interesting thing to see. But uh, yeah, I I think I observed this as as well. Like just... I had always thought that there was a ceiling to how much people in the city of Seattle would care about the Huskies if they didn't go to the University of Washington in a different way than back in the 60s when they were Seattle's pro sports team before the arrival of the Sonics and the Pilots. And... It turns out I was wrong about that because the recipe you need is an underwhelming Seahawks season that ends before the Huskies season. This is the only scenario now where that is conceivably possible. You have to go to the national championship game and the Seahawks can't go to the playoffs. Uh, Like, all of a sudden, everyone in the city of Seattle was a Husky fan. It was very exciting. It's right not up
0: quite as ubiquitous when you walk around. No, not quite as ubiquitous. The Seahawks is ubiquitous when they are good. Like, the, the week before a big playoff game or the Super Bowl, it's like you can feel it in the air. You can't quite feel it in the air with but, the Huskies, but it is it is way different than it's ever been.
1: And it was really exciting right up until 4 p.m. today when I was stuck in traffic driving to your house and missing the first drive of the game. Yeah, I, I just did you didn't miss much. I, I, I'm i aware. <laughs> we can go well, back and watch if you want. Right before the 41-yard, 40, I think that was the 46-yard was the second touchdown run, right? The But the thing is, this shit is deeper than the NFL.
0: The NFL has more fans and is a more popular sport overall. It is by far the most popular American sport. As I was thinking about this, like... This is in our fucking bones, the University of Washington. We of made a choice to go there. And that's what I was thinking about all week. Like, I, I pined to go. I worked hard in school. Not that to, hard. I worked pretty hard. I worked hard for two years of community college. <laughs> after the direct transfer agreement, mind you. To get into the University of Washington. I stressed about it. I was like, I cannot go to Western Washington University. You want to bet with our mom about it? Yeah, still got that hundred dollars. Um, I don't actually. The the we made a choice to go there. You could have gone to many schools, you could have gone to the Ivy League if you wanted to, right? Mm, maybe. You might have been able to go to the Ivy League, but a trader like the aforementioned Noah Cohen or Mina Kimes.
1: <laughs> or Chris Wheeler. Or Chris Wheeler. <laughs> We're just personally shouting out people who are listening to this podcast. Who didn't go to UW. Um,
0: (laughs) But you made a choice to stay home and go to UW out of a fear of being away from the Carcino family, (laughs) like all the rest of us have.
1: And then really did not attend football games for the four years I was there. Katie and I live 100 feet from each other. But... She did not get stuck in traffic. On the this, way here.
0: this is not that nobody can sell the University of Washington and move it to a different city. No matter what, they will still be playing games like this is a byproduct of our community more than anything else is. There is no guarantee that the Seahawks exist. There is no guarantee. But all of these teams, one of the teams moved and the other two threatened to move. Like all of these teams could be gone. Kraken never threatened to move yet. <laughs> just wait, wait till they want a new arena. They're like, are we sure about that landmark status of the of the of the roof? But just another renovation. <laughs> can't even deeper. just keep digging deeper. We're gonna get in the molten core of Key Arena. <laughs> <laughs> but but this is like this is the closest thing we have to. British soccer clubs or something like that. Yeah. This is our version of it. Like they are a representation of us as a community more than an NFL team is. An NFL team is a billionaires exchanging money with each other. More or less, right? They are they are billionaires trickling some money mm. down to millionaires. Think,
1: and that's most it. Most of the money is being leached up from uh, from us, not uh, the fans, not not being trickled down.
0: Well, yeah, that too. But that's ultimately what a an NFL franchise is, and we love it because we love American football for some reason. It just it's just a great sport. I don't know why. There's something about it that we as Americans just love American football and we keep paying the money to them. But like that's what that sport is. The University of no, Washington No,
1: I believe what you're enjoying is the Monopoly.
0: <laughs> the University of Washington we made a choice to go to. I went to class there. Have a degree from there. I saw fucking blue scholars in Red Square,
1: right? We, like we sat in the same classes with members of the UW Football yeah, team. Yeah.
0: There there is a history to it. There was a quote from Richard Sherman a couple weeks ago about like th- they were like somebody was like, "Aren't you why are you complimenting the 49ers even though like the city of Seattle gave you a Super Bowl or whatever?" And he's like, "You didn't give me a Super Bowl." He's like, "I brought you motherfuckers a Super Bowl." And it's like That is more true in the NFL than it is in college. In college, even though Michael Penix Jr. is from Florida and went to Indiana, it is a byproduct of the community more than it is in the NFL. And it's about choices that people make by going there and going to college. It's about history. People are a lot longer-term fans, these families, the people who sit next to us at the game, right? They didn't even go there. They didn't go to the school, but it is Decades long of history of UW fandom. And that to me is what this moment was about. And that's what this team was about. Is having a celebration of this community, UW doesn't have fans like Georgia has fans and Alabama has fans. There's not; they're not a national level team like that. We don't have some for tell
1: Yeah, your son, your yeah. youngest son, now a diehard Georgia fan. <laughs> he adopted but, UW because they were good for a game. Yeah, he did take the loss very hard, despite being a Georgia fan.
0: But you, do you understand what I'm saying? This isn't the people who are fans of the University of Washington are from Seattle, live in Seattle currently, or went to the University of Washington. Some random kid isn't waking up in some random place. Or just don't like Jim Harbaugh. But they, they were a fan of UW for a day. Uh, that, was, that was a joke. But you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, no, they are a representation of our community more than the Seahawks are, more than the Mariners are. And for what they did in this moment, they collected... Even more of a representation.
1: They actually got a commitment from a local recruit there we go. for 2025.
0: An impressive amount of talent here in Seattle... And gave it a go. They spent the money that they needed to. To go get Kalen DeBoer. They have enabled Kalen DeBoer. This is an anti-Mariner's take. They have enabled Kalen <laughs> DeBoer. To spend the kind of money that he needs to on assistance. They have done the thing by going to the Big Ten. They weren't scared. They didn't have fear in their hearts. They pushed the team from down south. To make the right decision long term for themselves. They beat them. Two times in a row. Three times this in team, a Well two times this season. Three times in a row. This team did everything. Everything that you could possibly want as a fan. They represented the community well. They had personality. They won big games. They won close games. They won on the road. They beat the eventual number one pick in the draft on the road in his house. They beat Texas, their former head coach, in the college football playoff. And they happened to come up slightly short against the most winningest program in all of college football. Like, I, it is it is such an impressive run, but it is a representation of our community. And it felt like we got to like we had that chip on our shoulder and we said, hey, motherfuckers, we are here too, to the southeast and the and the 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 power dynamic that runs college football. So UW after this is on the map as a college football program. And I don't think I was telling Luca this afternoon. He's sad. I was like, Michigan went three years in a row to the college football playoff and lost. They've dealt with the losing. Any cockiness that Michigan fans have is deeply unfounded. And maybe they finally knew that this was the team, but it takes time to build stuff like this. And so long as they are able to keep Kalen DeBoer here and Kalen DeBoer is able to build a program, we're in year two. We are in year two of Kalen DeBoer. How many years has Jim Harbaugh been at Michigan? 10? 12?
1: Well, it's not quite that long. His last season with the 49ers would have been 2015. Or 2014, it was the year, the second Super Bowl year. Okay, 14.
0: so he's, he's, this is his ninth season. Yeah. In Michigan. So, like, I, it takes time to do this stuff. And right now, I'm just impressed with what they've, what they've accomplished this team and that we get to have these players forever, remember them forever. Roma Dunze, Jack Westover.
1: I mean, Roma Dunze, greatest wide receiver in UW history. With all due respect to Mario Bailey, with all due respect to Reggie Williams, with all due respect to anyone from previous generations that we didn't see, like, no, he, he's it. He's he's number one now. Do Michael, you know that
0: Michigan lost bowl games in one, two, three, four, five, six straight years? I may have noted that when I was looking at their
1: <laughs> sports reference page.
0: It's like Chris Peterson was coaching them. <laughs> Sorry. He won the
1: Vegas Bowl. And the, heart Thank of, you. the Zaxby's Heart of Dallas Bowl. Put some respect on the Zaxby's Heart of Dallas Bowl, sir. The last time the Huskies played a bowl game in Texas before is they the did Citrus, today. The Citrus Bowl is not a New Year's Six game, right? No, it's a New Year's game, but not a, not a New Year's Six. Uh, let's just shout out some players, other players who played their final games, presumably, or are certainly as Huskies today. Uh, we mentioned Jack Westover. What a career. Dog. Outstanding. Absolute dog. Devin Culp. Had some huge plays over the course of this season. Wow, who's going to
0: play tight end next year?
1: Well, they got a they got a, tie, a transfer that we have not yet talked about on the pod. We'll a get to that on the transfer? weekly. Yeah, Trey Watson from Fresno State. Oh, hello. Yeah, recruited by De DeBoer. Uh, let's see here. I mean, the offensive line, Troyfa Otanu in particular, Keen that Joe Moore award-winning offensive line, uh, Edavon Eulafocio.
0: Oh. What a career.
1: Outstanding. Recognized mm-hmm. with a number of awards. And uh someone who dealt with a series of injuries in his UW career came back to had a terif- have a terrific senior season. Uh is late Le Tuli La Sanoa out of eligibility? I suppose I should have done the uh, the senior day look before I went into this live on the podcast. We're not live. This is recording. <laughs> Good point. I can edit this all out if I want to. <laughs> But that, would, that sounds like a lot of work at this point. Mm, MJLA on the defensive line. Somebody was converted from offensive line. Raylan Goforth played just the one season here after transferring from USC. Had a strong season. Uh, went viral over the weekend with his plea for tickets for his final game for his family. Hope we got those. Dom Hampton. Oh, had some terrific plays. Had some, some strong tackling today. Yeah, Latu Lasa'noa is a senior. Richard Newton. Uh, this was a storyline this week that he chose to stay, even though he knew he was not probably going to play a lot this season. Got on the field for I think one snap in the semifinal. Did not see him out there today. Uh, so, you know, but someone who was a starting starting uh, running back for times in his career. Uh, Asa Turner playing through injuries this season couple of hand surgeries, ZTF, Zion Tubul, fatui Braylon Trice, surely oh, headed to the Braylon. NFL. Yeah.
0: No, I mean, we're losing a lot of talent from this team and a lot of top-tier talent. I was looking at there was a uh, like the two early top 25 for next year, and Oregon is very high in that. Obviously, they have a pretty good quarterback coming in, uh, but like... Seeing the amount of talent, the amount of players, when I look at mock drafts from U Dub that are projected to go ahead of most Oregon players, it's and, just wild. No, there's so much talent at this school right now who chose to come back for the season, and the thing that they came back for was it was to win a national championship. But even making it to a national championship was more than enough,
1: without so, question. Like
0: I don't, I don't want to put U Dub in a just happy to be here situation, but like they also won a college football playoff game against Texas.
1: Yeah. No, so, they they won the back 12 final Pac-12 championship. They made the college football playoff. They won a game there. Like they accomplished an incredible amount, even if they didn't yeah, get not the final a, victory. Just match.
0: happy to be here. Take it's more of a this was an incredible season, and we should recognize that. Take it's and,
1: about the journey, not the destination. Take and it. and I think the thing that I the real college football playoff was the friends we made along the way. I think that's.
0: Kind of the most important thing is that we got to have this opportunity to rally around this team that they did come back and that they actually saw it through. So I, it was a very, very, very fun. UW Husky team. It was obviously the best UW Husky team that we've watched in our entire lives. And we've actually been lucky enough in these last handful of years to see some very, very good teams and a lot of players who would have huge impact in the NFL. So, It feels like this isn't a one-year thing. This is a program-building moment. This is a foundational moment that happened, and it's huge. But this isn't the end. This is a UW team that has been to the Rose Bowl, that has been to the Sugar Bowl, that has been to the Peach Bowl, right? Has played in these huge games. Was it the Fiesta Bowl that they played, Penn State? Correct. Has played in the Fiesta Bowl. These weren't that long ago
1: overall. So we have been. So they've now played in of the near six games for all of them, but the Cotton Bowl, right?
0: Yeah. In the last. Oh decade. no, they, the Orange Bowl. They haven't played in. Yes. So they they played four of the six. Yeah. I mean, that's still pretty impressive. Yeah. And I think the program is almost underrated for that regard. And the thing that consistently happens is this team out punches the recruiting classes. They just coach players well and end up with good players and end up with a lot of dogs. So we've actually been lucky, all things considered, for this run. And I'm just excited for it to keep going. I'm excited for this playoff to come because it does mean that more teams are going to be in. College football is about to get a lot more fun, if we're being honest with ourselves. Because we're going to be paying attention. You don't lose one game and then you say, we're screwed. You
1: don't lose one game and say, the season's over. You have to lose twice to UW for your season to be over, as it turns out.
0: So I'm I'm freaking hyped on it. I'm, I'm hyped on what was started here with this team. And I truly believe that this is just the beginning. And I truly believe in Kalen DeBoer. I think it would be incredible if Kalen DeBoer was the coach for a long period of time, that this wasn't just a, a path along his way, you know, a stepping stone for him. I think it would be incredible if Kalen DeBoer and I see him as the type of person, personality-wise, who this could be it. You know, maybe there are a handful of programs out there that would be enticing, but I think he he can recognize in the University of Washington what this could look like. He goes out and wins big games, and he wins pretty damn often. And if this, you're this only is the lost first game,
1: he lost in his UW career to a ranked team. Yes,
0: <laughs> if your only loss since. It was October of twenty twenty two. He didn't lose for an entire calendar year. Well over. Yeah. Not losing for an entire calendar year. And if that happens to the undisputed statistically best team in the country. Right? There was there was no mistake. They were the number one overall team in the college football playoff. Statistically, they had the number one defense. They were the number one team. And I'm, a pretty damn they might have were they the number one offense statistically too?
1: No. Okay. They were the OSEO,
0: right. But A top 10 offense and the number one defense and the best team in all of FBI. Like, fine. That's okay for that to have happened. And I, I think they might've come up against almost anybody else. And, had won that game against a lot of other teams, but Michigan was a little bit too much today with this particular team. And they've been building up in the same way that UW has. They have a senior quarterback. They have a running back who's going to the NFL. They had a lot of NFL caliber talent and high end talent that came back as well. And they had kind of the same type of season as UW and just slightly better today. I still, I I will forever remember that holding call and I will, I will argue to my death That UW, I don't need to go on a rant about it or whatever. But like, I I do think people frame situations because of moments like that. There's like, you need to overcome the refs. You can't overcome the refs when you have a second and 20. Right? I I mean, you can, but... It is exceedingly difficult to overcome the refs in that situation. And I will look at that moment and say, if they don't throw that flag, I think UW has the ball. I mean, Michigan's getting it, but I think UW ties the game up. At some point if they don't throw that flag and we were looking at a radically different game and a radically different outcome and it was an incredible season for you. I don't know.
1: Well, we will be back with a regular weekly pod <sighs> probably on Thursday where we may not be quite as optimistic about the Seattle Seahawks season. As we just were about the Washington Huskies, uh, we got the Mariners making a pair of trades. Suddenly, you, you talked about you know M's ownership still, but like M's management suddenly back in everyone's good graces. They're Ati- acquiring Italians. They're acquiring Mitches. <laughs> People are on board <laughs> acquiring again.
0: Italians. I'm sorry, but like that's fine. They did a fine job. This this does not let ownership
1: off the hook. I, I agree with that assessment. Uh, UW basketball Not a strong weekend for them But uh, God. we will have the uh, the full rind- rundown they're as we head into the, the Pelton edges. cast offseason also still figuring out the time and place for Seahawks state of the Seahawks end of the season pod with third Pel- Pelton brother Ben Baldwin uh, possibly start of next week for that one so uh, a lot of great content coming again as we hold head into. I do not the promise great content. Oh, <laughs> a lot of content coming yeah. as we head into the relatively quiet part of the Pelton Cast schedule. On that <sighs> note,
0: I can't believe football's over.
1: Thanks for listening all season long.
0: Thanks, Jim Harbaugh, our tryer bitch.
1: <laughs> you said you were going to do it. <laughs>